This is the Rise and Be Rich Show, where we focus on accelerating your business one masterclass at a time. Here are your hosts, Ahana and Daniel. How do you stay focused on your growth even through the toughest of times? Whether it's personal growth or the growth of your business, if you're interested in knowing how to stay resilient, if you're interested to grow your business and look at opportunities at this time, well, stay tuned because we have insights for you from angel investor Srishti Sabo. But before that, welcome everyone to Rise and Be Rich show where we bring experts and information on what you need to know to take your coaching, consulting, wellness service, or small business into high growth or to the next level and reach your goals. So today we are very fortunate to have Srishti Sahu, managing partner of SSV, an angel investor, to talk about how to stay invested in your future and stay focused on your growth at, through this COVID. So Srishti is one of the panelists of uh, Praram 2020 and even that explores the new normal through um, and post-COVID, where we will learn on how to adapt in order to meet success at this time. So we're really excited to talk to Srishti uh, about this topic today. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Anna. Thanks for having me here. So, Sushi, I would love to start by sharing your backstory. Could you let us know a little bit about you, your background, but also what you would be sharing at Praram? Sure, absolutely. Uh, first of all, thanks for having me here once again, and I'm looking forward to this lovely conversation and interacting with some of your customers as well and listeners. Um, so I actually started out my journey as an entrepreneur where we went through multiple experiments, you know, trying to figure out which business model would work best. Uh, but essentially what we finally arrived at was a platform for artisans in rural communities where we would help them uh, sell artisan-made garments online. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, while it was a very interesting experiment because I got to work with artisans very closely and, you know, obviously it's beautiful to see them put the garments together and the intricate embroideries that they go through. Uh, but in the same process, we were able to learn a lot from artisans and understand more about uh, how they get or source raw materials for the garments that they make in these communities. So interestingly, we arrived at the conclusion that, you know, these artisans would take micro loans uh, from lending institutions in those rural communities. And it was a very, very tedious and inefficient process in, uh, in the same way you know uh, most of the um, loan collectors would come to these artisans on a regular basis and uh, take down collections from them on pieces of paper and who knows how they would treat the pieces of paper but uh, essentially what I'm trying to say is that there was no technology uh, so to speak to be enabling those loans that were happening at these rural communities level um, so we basically built a solution, uh, which was a fintech solution for lending institution or NBFCs, non-banking financial com uh, companies in India, uh, essentially to be enable this lending process for them. And it was essentially an Android application, which would help them enable all these transactions that were happening on ground uh, in these communities. So not only artisans, but also anyone in these rural communities who was taking these microloans could be helped and enabled through that. 
So essentially, right. that you know scaled really quickly. We got to five lakh customers in a very short span of time. Uh, we were processing close to five million dollars in transaction volume every month. Uh, so we got to see really quickly product market fit, and we scaled very quickly to a decent uh, number of customers as well. And uh, this is when demonetization happened. Yeah. Uh, so obviously, the fintech sector kind of got really hit, and uh, the customers that we were primarily catering to, uh, NBFC specifically. Uh, didn't really have any cash uh, to be able to give out any loans, right? Uh, so this was when one of our customers made us an acquisition offer uh, for the tech that we essentially built, uh, and I thought, you know, that is a good return on investment in terms of how we uh, built and scaled the product, uh, and it was a good exit for us as well. So we ended up taking that offer. Uh, The team was very small. It was literally a six-member team uh, that was able to pull this through. So I really believe in like keeping lean teams, uh, growing uh, uh, and seeing traction, and like learning from customers as you evolve your entrepreneurial process. Uh, so soon after that, you know, as an entrepreneur, it always um, was in the back of my mind to understand what makes we a businesses investable, and I wanted to understand the ecosystem from a lens of a VC. Um, as such, so I joined uh, the investment team of Lumis Partners, which was essentially a private equity fund. Uh, at that time, it was a two fifty million dollar fund, and they were investing across verticals such as supply chain and human capital. So that is when you know I started understanding investing mechanisms really closely, understanding unit economics, understanding the whole process of how investment teams literally look at startups. And after that is when I you know was headhunted by Facebook to lead strategy for how Facebook works with startups in India. And uh, that was also a very interesting role because I was not only able to understand the ecosystem from an entrepreneurial lens, then an investor lens, but also from an ecosystem enabler lens. Yeah. And Really understand that you know how to build things at scale, uh, how to build global and local programs to empower startups and entrepreneurs. Um, so at Facebook, we essentially built programs that were focused on emerging technologies or women entrepreneurship and also social impact. And those were really uh, great experiences. I was working with 800 startups across all these different programs. Um, and you know, always at the back of my mind, wondering why I'm not on the other side because obviously I'd seen how exciting entrepreneurs. Your journey could have been right. Uh, so essentially, that's how I moved on to Facebook in December uh, 2019. Um, and uh, literally six, seven months uh, from there, uh, as we are today, I've uh, started investing uh, in companies. So I have my investment entity, which has made some seed stage investments, and primarily we look at early stage startups as a part of that. And also an entity that uh, helps uh, startups and companies with business development activities and global market. So, um, as business development as a service is something that we are offering to various companies right now. Mm -hmm. That's really impressive. Um, but uh, I was and I was going through your LinkedIn uh, profile as well, and uh, what I found is that you and I can see the 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 bars and uh, the and the kind of posts that you know are, are uh, that you're going through, and you know how others are responding. So you come across a lot of founders and entrepreneurs. So a lot of The the people that would be listening to this podcast, they're either just starting or they're in one to three years of the business or slightly further along, but they're trying to either grow or scale. So, what do you look for if when you're looking at traits of a founder who can grow that business even through the ups and downs and all through this crisis and this time of crisis? What kind of traits do you look for? Great question, Ahana. I think you know uh, in my investing journey so far, what I've been able to understand uh, really. 
uh, well is something called founder market fit and i think that is what i lead with in most of my conversations with entrepreneurs uh, so while it has become very fashionable to start businesses and a lot of people are jumping into entrepreneurship uh, and i think that's fantastic right because we need a new entrepreneurs to come and like create uh, job opportunities and economic opportunities as well so i think that's fantastic uh, but typically what i look for is founder market fit so how well does a founder understand that space it doesn't really mean that i'm looking for quantity or years of experience in the same field but understanding your customers really well is essentially what i'm getting at as to does the founder have unique insights or a unique perspective as to how the sector is evolving or how the space that there in uh, is evolving so that also goes back to the point of domain expertise if you're able to understand the space that you're catering to if you understand the needs of your users or customers really well uh, is essentially what i look for when i'm having those early discussions uh, with a founder and of course like resilience plays a big part of that as well right so um, are you able to stick on uh when things get really uh, tough because entrepreneurship comes with so many highs and lows on a daily basis literally you no day will look like the same every day will be different and have different challenges thrown at you so uh, essentially what i'm trying to get at is that is the founder in it for the long run or is the founder going to stick through this or see it through essentially uh through its challenges highs and lows etc and i guess the last thing of it would be that you know is the founder able to excite people when they're sharing their idea or the space or the product that they've built because essentially a founder's role is to be able to excite people be it investors customers users about what they're building about what the space they're in as well so uh, those are some of the things i say i would say i look for um, three things then uh, to make it very easy for people to understand founder market fit uh resilience and thirdly your network or your understanding or how you able to excite people about your idea right and you know i was reading and one of the posts that you just recently posted was about your uh i think about your run uh <laughs> and uh you know you can see the kind of um, mental habits and you know the the way you're focused and motivated is there anything that you do regularly that you know you keep how do you keep yourself motivated and moving towards your growth what do you do on kind of like that, that's actually one of my favorite questions on and so right on spot for that one uh, so you know essentially uh, i actually did a post where i completed 10000k in terms of yeah, running uh, mileage so you know i i thought that was a great accomplishment and i was feeling really good about having been consistently running for the last 10 years of my life and you know i was an athlete in school also so i think some uh, parts of my mindset actually can be traced back to then uh, because honestly i feel that you know excellence is what we repeatedly do it's not something that we say we are going to do or not our dreams and aspirations but literally our actions on an everyday basis um so i get really fascinated by creating routines uh, that can help me stay disciplined um so essentially i guess what i've been able to do is i'm a completely morning person every day i wake up at 5am uh, and i go to bed really early also and that means saying no to a lot of things that are happening around okay. you in your social circles 
it, that's literally a goodbye to all of that right <laughs> so uh, but i i find it really fascinating because you know I, for me uh, as a person i need discipline in my life to be able to um, be my best self or live my best life so uh, that, those are some of the things that i feel personally motivated by get, being able to uh, get up early in the morning go for my run come back meditate uh, etc so you know those are some of the things that keep me going as a person so i think it's very important for each one of us individually to just identify what gives us energy uh, for me running in the morning meditating that gives me energy and like sets a great tone for my day um so and for some people it could be like staying up all through night and you know just uh, getting work done in those peaceful hours so literally it's about identifying what are those unique things that work for you i don't think there's a one size fits all but uh, essentially my post was yeah. uh, related to discipline and having that mindset yeah i know you, I, i'm an early riser too and uh, i i go to sleep very early and yesterday i had a uh and a podcast at 8:30 so i had to finish everything because i knew the moment i would finish that podcast i'm hitting bed <laughs> because i've got this it's a very different lifestyle for all morning risers right yeah. like you literally after 10 pm i don't exist to the world exactly exactly <laughs> yeah so i'm going to change the direction a little bit because we are talking about this this time uh and what changes are you seeing through this time in the startup environment especially the challenges as well as the opportunities that this time brings sure so i i can talk a little bit about how startups are going through the fundraising process because i think that's what's uh on a lot of entrepreneurs mind especially when it's come down to literally survival and cash management on yeah. so many different levels and uh, um i yeah sure i i'll just you know uh, since you are going to talk about this there there was another question that was uh, submitted to us by a community member so this this lady her name is Teresin Dupuy and she runs a company called the Yoni company they came up with this product of you know a leak proof underwear kind of a thing and they tried to raise funds for the last slightly over a year. Uh so she sent us this question saying that you know they were unsuccessful in doing it and now they're trying to pivot because you know they have to keep growing that company. Uh so where you know where does the fundraising how do you raise funds at this time and as an investor what would you be looking for to help uh businesses like this raise funds. So I kind of think that that goes hand in hand with what you're going to say so I thought I'll I'll just bring her question in as well yeah de- definitely i i will cover some aspects of that as well yeah. so honestly you know uh, when the covid started i think most of the investor community was a little taken aback uh in the sense of like where do valuations go from here right uh because primarily at least in the indian ecosystem what we were seeing was a lot of like inflation uh happening or inflated valuations coming up uh to us in most of the investor decks when people were approaching us to raise funding but obviously given how public markets also responded where you know there was a 30 to 50% valuation dip in most of the public companies as well so that's how uh, early on in the covid space we uh, started cutting down on a lot of valuation and then i saw that happening for a few of my portfolio companies as well but i i would say like 
fundraising activity now has come back to what it was before covid times as well um and in some cases i think it's accelerated as well because a lot of founders uh, who would have been uh, or could have been founders were stuck in jobs maybe just thought that this was the right time to start or start exploring a different geography so a lot of interesting exciting things happened in the last few months even though it was a very grim time overall in terms of how serious uh, the situation is so you know uh, essentially what happened was first the valuations were taking a hit but now i think the valuations are also close to where they were or maybe just about like 20% lower than what they were in terms of fundraising activity i would say that it has resumed uh, but in the sense of like i think people are approaching it very differently in the sense of like are we paying the right price for the right things that have been built um, and that should have been the vc analogy all along but i think yeah. that often got sidelined uh, when uh, in the last few months because there's just a lot of excitement in the startup ecosystem right um, yeah. so now people are willing to pay a good a fair price for good products or good teams uh, so essentially because i mostly make seed stage investments there you may not have seen like a product already built but i don't think that most of the deals that are happening right now can happen without a good product that has been built already or traction so that is definitely a change that i've observed that for earlier teams were just with like good pitch decks and sometimes be pre product pre revenue and still be able to raise funding but now that's definitely not the case so i think uh, to the question that the listener also asked you know that it's become very critical to be able to justify um what you raising funding for and also how you will deploy it so essentially what i'm uh, what you need to be able to show is some early traction so it's completely fair to pivot uh, a lot of businesses have had to pivot in these times um because they didn't know uh, what else they could do or the markets that they were catering to no longer existed in the same way so that's a definitely a new economic reality and investors don't perceive that negatively at all so uh, i think the first thing is that don't think of like um pivoting as a negative experience in itself because it's not to say that you won't be able to raise funding but it uh, you what you essentially need to be able to show is some traction or some feedback from customers of a need that you've been able to identify with a new business model that you're serving that you will be able to build on top of um i i think that those are some of the early signals of success that will be able to help you get funded um because as investors we want on in entrepreneurs to succeed right like our money grows only if the entrepreneur or the startup grows so essentially a lot of it is riding on is if is the entrepreneur able to identify a good opportunity and go completely at it so i think that is uh, something that uh, essentially what investors are looking for early traction love from users if you've got a product that might have not uh, scaled to millions of downloads but uh, what are people saying about it what are the app reviews looking like how yeah. much rating are you getting from customers so customer testimonials etc become very critical at this stage uh, essentially to see how what is the need that you've been able to solve hmm yeah and even you know with our with our uh, um business what we see with our clients as well that you you have to really niche right now you have to dominate a niche versus you know yeah. trying to go a little bit broad so you have to really prove your case to yeah. your tribe in order for that that interaction to happen so let me just also ask you uh you know you've you've been working with technology you know, on sort of like startups we have also 
uh, talked about, you know, Facebook, when at that stage you were working with a bunch of entrepreneurs and then we seeing this massive movement uh, sort of moving online, social media. So how do you use all of that to your advantage? How important is it right now for entrepreneurs? And what would you suggest that they start looking at in terms of this movement that's happening? Oh, absolutely. I think it's a fantastic movement that's happening from being completely offline and uh, non-digital to com uh, to now embracing technology. Yeah. And I think like to give you an example of how the Indian ecosystem has evolved in the in just like the last three, four years with Geo coming uh, into the picture, you know, there have been three, 14 million new users of uh, internet who've used internet for the first time and now are building businesses online as well, right? So there's, there's a big significant shift in terms of how these users are approaching the whole digital landscape. Uh, I think that's why you're seeing a lot of, at least in India, a lot of uh, businesses are starting to cater to this new audience. Uh, this is essentially called the next billion domain. Uh, so when now more and more people have gotten connected, so how what will their needs look like? What will the services or products uh, look like that they want to use? So I think that's a fantastic opportunity for entrepreneurs to sort of cash in on or try to think of like what is that digital ecosystem that you can create for people who are coming online for the first time and if you're an entrepreneur who's taking your business online for the first time i think now it's more important than ever before uh, because literally if you think of a user or customer behavior um, essentially before buying anything be it a product or, a, uh, or even like daily essentials you go on to google or you do a quick search on what people are saying about it right so literally being able to control the messaging that is going out about your brand or how you're communicating uh, to your customers and your unique audience um, is uh, essentially where the core of the messaging lies and what you need to really focus and hone um, so I, I would say a lot of focus needs to be on uh, thinking about how you're building that digital presence. Are you visible uh, to more and more users? How are you acquiring new users through that messaging as well? Um, so those are some of the things that I would urge the listeners to think about. Awesome. I would love to keep chatting with you, but my timer is showing that we're running out of time. <laughs> because this is a short podcast show, but I hope I hope we can bring you back because I think you know, you're touching on topics which I can go on, you know, another 20 minutes or half an hour on. But uh, thank you so much for joining us. Is there somewhere where we can direct uh, the attention of, of you know, the, the listeners? Where would you want them to get more information about you? Is that your LinkedIn or? Yeah, absolutely. I think LinkedIn and Twitter, where I'm both active. LinkedIn, I'm sort of a power user and I do push out a lot of content as well. Uh, so I think be it like on investment activity or how I'm thinking about different spaces, I think that's the best place for people to reach out. Yeah. But I, I, I would highly recommend you follow her on LinkedIn because I just, you know, I've been looking at the posts. I've just been seeing the posts that you like and you're commenting on and you're connecting different people and you get, you, you know, you get a ton of information, incredible startup projects that are happening. So stay tuned on that. What I'll do is I'll put the link of that with this um, podcast and with this show, with a video, whichever way it gets aired out, I'll put a link of that so that you can click and uh, get to Srishti's um, profile. So thank you so much, Srishti, for joining us. Awesome. Fantastic, Anna. Thanks for having me and good luck for your show. Thank you. And for those of you who are looking for uh, our free trainings on high growth marketing, 
you know, you can join us at hanalara.com forward slash high paying packages. Essentially, what it will do is allow you to download the guide on creating um, there's a high paying package for coaching, consulting or service package in your niche. You can uh, download that and it will direct you to the group where all of the free trainings are parked. And that's at www.ahana.com. LARA.com forward slash hyping packages, all one word. And that's it. I hope this interview inspired you to review where you are and then plan to take your business to the next level. All the best to you. And I'll see you once again on another episode of Rise and Be Rich.